Welcome to God is Open. I am your host, Christopher Fisher. Today on God is Open, we're going to be doing something a little bit more philosophical. We're going to be talking about the nature of time, of a closed future, of an open future. How does that work? What do open theists actually believe? And how do the Calvinists and Arminians, they use this language? And how do we, as open theists, appropriate it and then reinterpret that language in order to fit our own theology? First, a little bit of background. A lot of open theists, when they're talking to Arminians or Calvinists, they'll use language like, open theism is the idea that the future is partially open and partially closed. Myself, I don't really like this language. This is bad language to be using because then people think that we're fatalists. That open theists believe that things are fated in the future, that determinism is true in some sense of the word. But that's not what open theists mean when they say that part of the future is open and part of the future is closed. What they actually mean, and if, if you look into open theist literature, you'll figure this out, is that God has intentions, God is incredibly powerful, and God can bring about what he wants to bring about. If I have power to bring something about, and I was just using tonight, I was talking to this Calvinist or this fatalist, I don't know what he is. But, but I said I had determined earlier today that my entryway needed cleaning. And so I, I made the determination. Then I went to my kids and I told them that they needed to go clean the entryway. And then they went and did it. Did I override their free will? Most people would say no. Just using basic coercion to get people to do what you want is not overriding their free will. Yeah, sure, you slap cuffs on a prisoner. Now they're not free anymore. But you're not, like, changing their mind. It's not like hypnotism. And here's the thing about hypnotism. Hypnotism, like in college, I got all these manuals about hypnotism. I was very interested in learning about it. One of the principles in hypnotism is you cannot hypnotize people to do things that they're morally opposed to doing. So that's very interesting. So most people think of overriding free will like a hypnotist forcing you to murder someone. I always think of Naked Gun, I think number two, where that person's hypnotized to go kill the Queen of England. That doesn't happen in real life. People are not hypnotized like that. But no, coercion does not equal violation of free will. It doesn't mean fatalism is true. It doesn't mean that determinism is true. Just because... I have intentions to get my entryway cleaned. I have the power to make it come about. And I have the power to make free actors, free agents, with their own free will, carry out my will, my determination. It doesn't automatically mean, now me as a human being, now I have overridden an open future. Now me as a human being, I created a deterministic future. But back to open theists and how open theists use these phrases that the future is partially open and partially closed. What they're doing is they're trying to appeal to people who already resonate with those terms. People who like those terms and then they feel a little bit more comfortable with open theism. I think it does open theism harm in the long run because we're not using those concepts, those words, like your fatalist, like your determinist would think. And, you know... It also appeals to those people who are also worried, oh, if God could change, then 
then he might decide that uh, his whole thing about salvation is bad, and then he could just send us all to hell. Those people, those very insecure people, we we covered a Calvinist podcast in which one of the Calvinists were saying that, literally, if God can change, then we have to be fearful about our salvation. Remember in the Bible, remember in the Bible that God's, his trustworthiness is tied to his past acts. You can know that God's going to be trustworthy in the future because of what God has done in the past. It's not tied to negative theology. It's not tied to immutability. Not in the Bible. Not in the Bible. And that's very telling that modern Christians have different standards for trustworthiness than the authors of the Bible. The first concept that everyone needs to be familiar with is the concept of equivocation. Equivocation is a logical fallacy, whereas one word is used, but is used in multiple senses throughout the argument, whereas if it was used with a specific sense throughout, the argument would not hold. And a lot of times when you're talking to Armenians or Calvinists, they will use equivocations and try to get you to say something that they could take the wrong way. They'll use the same word with different senses to try to trip you up in a logical fallacy in order to get you to contradict yourself. I began tonight responding to a post that talks about does open theism escape determinism? Now determinism is one of those loaded words. The word, when when you or I, when we're thinking about what is determinism, we think about maybe like fatalism, that something has to happen no matter what, and this this thing is set in stone in the future, and all the properties are set, and nothing can change it, nothing at all. A lot of times when people think of fatalism, they think of Oedipus. Oedipus was this character in Greek mythology. He was fated to kill his father and have sex with his mother. So these are very specific events with specific parameters, and people try to advert this. The, the dad, he tries to kill his son, he tries to get him out of the country, he goes away for a while, he's raised outside, and then through a series of coincidences, he gets back to his home country, ends up killing his dad. Sometime the story is on purpose, sometimes it's an accident, and then he ends up marrying the queen, who is his mother, and then he finds out about this, and then he mutilates himself. You know, that's the classic Oedipus story that people talk about a lot. The Oedipus complex, you know, that the Freudian thing where everyone wants to have sex with their mom. Total nonsense. Total nonsense. But it's a popular phrase. It's a popular character. And a lot of people think about fatalism when they think of this story. Because this guy, although he tried to avert his fate, was fated to do these actions. That's fate. That's determinism. But we do not find fate in the Bible. God talks about the future, and he talks about the future often. And let's turn to Isaiah 40 through 48. What is the reoccurring phrase? He says, I purposed it, I will do it. I said it, I will bring it to pass. So God's claims, and it's not even a claim that he's making. He's not claiming I know the future because I do those things. His claim to Israel is, you know that I am God because I tell you what I'm going to do, and then I do it, and no one has power to stop me. That's how God knows the future. He's not claiming to know the future in some clairvoyant sense of the word, 
where he sees into a crystal ball and sees the future. That's not the claim. The claim is, I am so powerful that what I say goes and no one can stop me. But sometimes in the Bible, sometimes in the Bible, God changes his mind for his own purposes. God says to Israel, he says, I will no longer save you. In the very next verse, the people cry out. They want his salvation. He changes his mind based on their groaning and decides to save them. That's how God operates. God can change his mind. God is not fated. So this guy on Facebook, he says, doesn't God know some of the future and hasn't God determined the people in those events to do what they do? And I say, yeah, me too. You know, I do it. And so why not God? I know some of the future and determined what some people will do. Just like 10 minutes ago, it happened right before this. Just 10 minutes ago, I determined my children would clean the entryway. Guess what? I was right. Oh, I was right. My determinism made the future faded and it happened. So determinism is not the right word for what happened in my case. That I determined that my children would clean the entryway. And then I went downstairs and I told them to clean the entryway. And then they did it. That's not fatalism. That's not determinism. The future is not now broken and closed because I used my power of determination and my power of persuasion and my respect that my kids show me in order to change their preferences to make the, they preferred to clean because the alternative was less savory than cleaning the entryway. And so I used my powers of persuasion, my coercion, to get free agents to do what I said that they should do. That does not mean the future's faded. No one's going to say that me, uh, Chris Fisher, broke the future, and me alone has changed the future into a deterministic, closed future. That's not how these things work. And I love doing this. I love doing this. I love saying yes to their questions, saying, yeah, that's true, and then pointing it back to myself. Yeah, God knows the future. I know the future too. And then you list off various things about the future that you know, which you've already predicted to be true, or things that are pretty easy to predict about the future, that I'm going to die. You know, just just a couple podcasts ago, Kerrigan Skelly said, I know my grandparents are going to die. And he's an Arminian. And he's admitting that he, as a human being, has knowledge of the future. It's not uh, very explicit admittance because he is using the term in the normal sense. And he has to take that term and turn it into an abnormal sense in order to fit his theology. And so here's what I did to this guy. I said, all the terms that you're using, they are not used in these ways during normal conversations. No one says that I don't know the future. No one says, no one criticizes me when I say, oh, I know that one day I'm going to die. They're not going to criticize. You don't know that. You won't. Maybe certain Christians who think that the rapture is going to happen soon and end of times. But like no normal person, I could walk down the mall and ask them and say, do I know that I'm going to die? And they would say yes. Like normal people, that's just how people talk. And so people like Arminians and Calvinists, they have to take these words, they have to apply unnatural meanings, and then they have to use equivocation to try, try to get us to talk with their abnormal meanings, even though our more natural inclination is just to talk normally about knowledge of the future, about determining things, about free will, about fatalism. We want to talk like normal people. They want to talk like metaphysicists with these fake made-up concepts 
on top of words. So that's what I did. I said, I have knowledge of the future. Me, as a human being, I know the future. Then you list out things that you know. And especially my kids cleaning the entryway. I knew that my kids would clean the entryway. Ooh, and then it came true. I'm not omniscient. I'm not uh, outside of time. I didn't see the future through a crystal ball. I'm just a normal person. What Calvinists and Arminians want to say by using the word knowledge, what they want is, and I offer this to this guy, fatalistic clairvoyance. Clairvoyance. You know, like crystal ball gazing. Like you gaze into the crystal ball and you could see the future and then you can't change the future. Fatalistic clairvoyance. You know, once you change their terms on them and say, you're not using your term very accurately. How about this new term? And the new term is magic based. It doesn't resonate with them. They don't like it because you're undermining their beliefs and you're telling them what their beliefs truly are. Clairvoyance, crystal ball gazing. I said to this guy, I said, no, God is not a clairvoyant. God's not a clairvoyant. God's not a fatalistic clairvoyant peering into the crystal ball to see the future and then nothing can change the future. The future is set and God is just a puppet because God cannot change what he sees about the future. Instead, instead, God has determinations, God has purposes, and God has the power to bring those purposes about. But God being God, can change his mind. Just like the example that we used in Judges. God can change his mind about the things that he has declared based on changing circumstances. God can do that. And sometimes in the Bible, God changes not due to circumstances, but for his own sake. The guy asked me, what kinds of knowledge does God have of the future? Is it just the type of knowledge that my parents will one day die? No, it's not that. It's anything I have and more. I know that if I walk up to my wife and insult her, she will be mad. It's not very hard to know the future. I know that President Trump implementing a 20% tariff will mean less imported goods into the U.S. I know that. I know in aggregate everyone's actions in the United States. There's going to be less things bought. I know that in aggregate people's actions outside of the United States less things will be imported. I can make predictions because I do have knowledge of future actions, even though I don't know people, I don't know who they are individual. I just know how people act. And remember in the Bible, Abraham does this. He says, I know if I bring my wife to this city, they're going to kill me and they're going to take her because she's pretty and I'm not pretty. So they're just going to kill me and they're going to take her. So people can know things about the future and it doesn't have to be this fatalistic clairvoyance knowledge. That's, it's a different standard that's, that uh, Arminians and Calvinists want to put on knowledge. It's not familiar to us in normal day conversation. So what this guy wants to do is use equivocation. He says that God knows things in the future. And he wants to claim that this makes the future determined and that people do not have free will. And he says that this, in turn, means that open theism does not escape determinism. But notice the, all the uses of his words, how he gets from one to the other. So we need to explore that with him, talk about how he thinks about that, and what are some objections. And now he has double standards. And how I do this is what I do always. I relate it to human beings. 
I have knowledge of the future. I determine things in the future. So following this guy's logic, I, as a human being, can make the future fatalistic and closed. God doesn't have to be in the picture. God doesn't even have to exist. Me, as a human being, can make the future closed. And I think that's absolutely absurd. And let's follow through those steps of logic. God knows things in the future because he determines to do those things. I know things in the future because I determine to do those things. God knows that those will happen because he is very powerful. No one can oppose him. No one can stop him at those things. But of course, God could change his mind from time to time. But God promises in some circumstances not to change his mind. So are those situations, are those situations, are they fated? For example, eternal life of the saved. Is eternal life conditional? Is it something God's going to change his mind on and just send everyone to hell? No. God has told us and God points to his character, his past acts, to tell us about his future acts. So since God's not going to change his mind on this, does that mean the future is fated? I would say no. This is a choice by God. God could, if he wanted, choose something else. The only way that God couldn't choose something else is if God himself was fated. God has to be in a deterministic stance in order for the future to be in a deterministic stance. Now this guy will respond and he'll say, well, God now has determined the future and no one can stop him. So God's overriding all of their free will and these things have to happen and there's not going to be anything else but what happens. And so I drew a parallel situation. You know, me making my kids clean my house, uh, that might not be the most solid, foolproof thing because, I don't know, maybe a robber comes in and shoots me to death or something like that. But what if, here's what I did. I went to science fiction. What if I got nanobots, and these nanobots, they invade people's bodies, and they send electrical impulses to their muscles, and I send them out, and they invade everyone. They infect everyone on Earth. Now no one can stop them from working because everyone's being controlled by these nanobots. And I force everyone to clean their houses with these nanobots. Me, as a person, did I just make the future fatalistic? Because I determined that everyone has to clean their house. Now everyone will be cleaning their house what I determined that they will do. And there's no changing my mind because the programming is hard-coded into these devices. So me as a human, take God out of the picture. God doesn't have to exist for this hypothetical. Can me as a person toggle reality from uh, open reality to a closed reality? From the future being totally open to a future being partially open and partially closed. And this is what this guy has to maintain. In open theism, there is some point in the past where God had zero intentions towards human beings. So all these promises that God made that God doesn't intend to change his mind about, at one point in history, they did not exist. So in this guy's worldview, in this guy's logic, he has to admit that reality has moved from a state of complete openness to a state of a hybrid between closed and openness in open theism. That doesn't get him to escape what he wants to escape. He wants to say that open theism is deterministic, and then he sets up a world in which determinism is not a necessity and is optional, and at one time did not exist. And the system allows me as a human being 
to make that toggle, to make that switch, to create fatalism. It doesn't work like that. No one in their right mind is going to claim that a human being can make the universe fatalistic. No, no one's going to say it. Walk and talk to anyone and talk to them about what, what is fate, what is determinism, and can I, as a human being, turn the world from a non-fated world into a fated world? How does that work? Me as a human being. That's not how fate works. No one thinks about fate like that. No one thinks about determinism like that. But this guy wants to play word games. He wants to force these unnatural definitions of fate and determinism. He wants to force them on God and get open theists into a word game to say that God has created a deterministic, fatalistic world. It doesn't work like that. Some very basic principles. Coercion does not equal fatalism, does not equal determinism. And in one of my articles that I wrote, I talk about Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was humiliated by God. He was turned into a wild beast, eating grass, being all crazy, and it was to teach him a lesson. Is this determinism? Is this fatalism? Or is this God coercing Nebuchadnezzar? Is he just, he's giving him a lobotomy. If you give someone a lobotomy, now are they fated? Is determinism true? Is it an overriding of free will? I wouldn't say so. I don't think most people would say so. Maybe some people would say so, that it's overriding free will. But not in the real sense. It's, it's like killing someone. Yeah, killing someone might override their free will, but it's people just usually take that as coercion, violence, and just oppressing people. It's not it's not has nothing to do with metaphysics. It has nothing to do with our volition. It's changing our budget set. When you're dead, you can't really choose anything. So you're not really fated or have free will. You might be fated to be dead. I don't know. But normally people don't think about fatalism like that. Coercion does not equal fatalism. Just because I force my kids to clean my house, and I help them too. I'm not like this evil dad who just sits there with a whip and whoosh, whoosh, clean my house. No, I help them too. Just because I coerce my children into cleaning the house, something they don't want to do, I override their preferences. I give them a new budget set. They have different choices to make and different things to consider how they're going to freely choose. Just because I coerce them to do that does not mean now they're fated, have no free will. Just because I have plans, I've determined to do things, I have goals, and I'm powerful enough to achieve those goals, and I'm not going to change my mind on those goals, just because of all those factors doesn't mean me as a human being can make reality faded. Our plans, our intentions do not equal fatalism. They don't. Neither does God. God doesn't have to have those plans. God doesn't have to have those intentions. And at one point in history, before all of creation, God didn't have those intentions. The world is inherently not fatalistic. That's not what people think about when they think about fatalism. Fatalism is the idea that people have specific events in the future that they have to hit no matter what. And especially when God's saying stuff like, I'm going to save this remnant for myself. I'm going to save this people to myself. None of those people in that group are predetermined. No individual is in that group predetermined. God has a general idea, a general plan sitting out there. And 
people are welcome to come and go as they freely choose. And remember, we just talked about tariffs, how I could predict actions in aggregate. Yeah, if I start a cult, like a Heaven's Gate cult, I could probably get a few people to join up with me. There's millions upon millions of people in the U.S., like 300 million, 320 million people in the U.S. Someone's going to join my cult if I started a cult. It's not hard to predict. And God knows that if he has a people group, people are going to join up. He doesn't have to make sons of Abraham from the rocks. But that's an option for him because he's not fated. He doesn't have to care about people's actions to get his plan and his will done. Yeah, God knows things about the future. This doesn't make the future closed. This doesn't make the future faded. And I don't like it when open theists use those words, that the future is partially determined. Well, yeah, in a sense, God has made determinations. God has made plans. But it's not the fatalistic notion that the Arminian or Calvinist wants to bring to that, whereas those are like fated events that not even God can change. And 100%, nothing will ever happen to change those events. And those are in stone. No force in the world like, like Oedipus. Oedipus is fighting against these prophecies, and then he's just forced into this prophecy. That, that's how fatalism works. So a good strategy when debating, when talking to these people, is redirect them. Draw parallels to things that they would not accept on their own. Hardly any people, this guy said it, he said that human beings can change the world from an open state to a fatalistic state. And that, that's funny to me. And it's funny to get them to make those emissions. And if they don't make those emissions, force it out of them. Force them to be consistent in their use of terms. Do not let them use terms in a misleading way, in a dual sense, where one sense is used for God and a different sense is used for man. And God, his knowledge of the future, his determination of the future makes the future fatalistic, but not man's. They're going to hold a double standard. Don't let them do that. Don't let them do that. Make them be consistent. We do not allow equivocation. And equivocation is very important to understand. Understand that it's a fallacy and point it out when you see it. People are not very happy when you point out their fallacies. But it makes conversations go a lot smoother because they know that they're not going to get away with these types of sleights of hand. They try to trick you. They try to get little statements out of you that they could quote somewhere else. They want to force you down this, this path that they have predetermined to try to get you to mess up and go back on what you say. But logical fallacies. I'm going to do a podcast on logical fallacies where I cover all sorts of logical fallacies that are pretty common in debating Christian theology. It'd be useful outside of Christian theology as well. Anywhere in your life, just how you think about what you think about, how, how you process facts and information, how you make conclusions. The logical fallacies are important. And equivocation is very important as well. Shifting terms. Terms with double standards. Double meanings. Used differently applied to different actors. Knowledge is a good one. Knowledge is a good one. We know things about the future. We determine things about the future. We coerce people. We, quote-unquote, override other people's free will. But when God does it in the Bible, it's taken as fatalism. It's taken as complete control of all minutia. But when we do it, it's a double standard. It's a double standard for Calvinists. The goal of these situations 
get them to understand their double standards, get them to omit their double standards. And a lot of them won't do that. A lot of them will back out of the conversation or they'll just try to sidetrack the conversation. Refocus, refocus, get them to acknowledge, get them to admit. Then you've disarmed them, you've diffused them, and their argument has no teeth anymore. If you have any questions or comments on today's podcast, feel free to put that on the God is Open website or put that on our companion Facebook page, God is Open. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 